Welcome to the Business of Luxury podcast, where we feature exclusive conversations with entrepreneurs, executives, and influencers on the leading edge of luxury. On today's episode, Human connects with Natasha Baradarin, founder and creative visionary behind Natasha Baradarin Interior Design. Inspired by her multicultural background, her work fuses European design traditions, Middle Eastern arts, and the laid-back luxury of Los Angeles living. As a designer without creative limitations, Baradarin has grown into a full-service design firm creating furniture and textiles to complement her brand's vision for artistic, stylish, and integrally made designs for residential and commercial environments. In this episode, you'll hear Natasha share how she got started in interior design and what led her into furniture and textiles, what's shaped her unique style over the years, and emerging trends and shifts in the design industry. All right, let's join Human for his conversation with Natasha Baradarin. Natasha, welcome to the show. It's so wonderful to have you with me today. I'm happy to be here. Thank you. Natasha, tell our listeners, tell us about your design journey. You know, what led you to become an interior designer? Well, it's it really I never thought was in the cards for me. I was a painter as a younger person, as a teenager, and I actually have a graduate degree in comparative politics and was going to become a professor of women in development. But, you know, sometimes life uh, opens different doors for you. And with this, I jumped in. I had a year between my master's and my Ph.D. program, and I was newly married in a in a small home and always appreciated interiors and took a couple classes at UCLA Extension and got an internship at a world renowned hospitality firm called Wilson and Associates. And they were based out of uh, Dallas and had an LA uh, studio or or firm actually of like 50 people. And I just started working in the library. And when I walked in those doors, a light bulb went in my head. And I said, this is what I think I should be doing. I can't believe people get paid for this. Um, it was before HDTV and Pinterest and social media, and only very high-end projects really had interior designers. So I really wasn't uh, exposed to the world of interior design as people are today, and I loved working here. I quickly moved out of the library and became a junior designer and then a senior designer while I went to uh, design school at night. And I deferred my PhD for a year to see if this was really my path. And it was, I never looked back. And it just took me into a world that really allowed me to fulfill my passions. It was a very organic process for you because most people choosing a career know beforehand, you know, they prepare for it, they go to school and half of the time it's the right decision. The other half, they realize this is not my passion. But for you, it was a great blessing that you were aware of what was happening and organically really settled in with your heart. Which is so unusual for my personality because I'm actually a real planner. 
And I've planned like a lot of things in my life, but the things that have been most organic have been the best things that have happened to me. And, um, you know, once I set my mind that I was going to do it, I really explored the world of hospitality. They were doing um, interior design projects of hotels around the world from Korea, Mexico, Vegas, and a variety of different design styles. So I was almost like an apprentice with some of the best interior designers of that time. Um, and it really allowed me to figure out, in a, as you said, in a very organic way, what my passion is and what I want to be doing. It's very true when people say, as we're planning, God is laughing. Because That's what right. we think we're planning is what's good for us, but there's a better picture for us. But you have to have your eyes open. If that it's being shown to you, you have to be able to take the risk and jump and try. I think uh, I, today's day in today's world, it's a little bit more difficult to do that for some who have more my type of you know structured personality. But um, you know you have to be able to take a risk, and sometimes it pays off. And if it doesn't, then you just had an experience and you can pivot. So just have to be open to it. That's right. That's right. And and how did designing furniture and textiles become part of your business as well? Because I know that that was an additional thing that came about. How did that happen? So what happened was, is that after I worked at the firm and um, went to design school, I started a very small boutique interior design studio uh, because I wanted to have a family and didn't want to be flying all over the world. And um, as I grew my practice as an interior designer, furniture and textiles became a way for me to give a complete vision to our clients so that it became more of a one-stop shop that we could do interiors. And we also had furniture and now textiles to give a complete vision, uh, which nowadays is why I think our clients come to us. So it was just an, an extension of an already creative process uh, to give more of a full picture of our point of view. Which makes sense because it goes hand in hand at the end of the day anyway. Right. It goes hand in hand. Um, and, and I feel like if you're an artistic person, you know, the sky's the limit. It's not that you can pigeonhole yourself in just architecture or just interiors. I think my personality and the way that I'm artistic is, it's through painting, it's through dancing, it's through textile design, it's through interior design, it's through furniture. I'm always finding creative outlets to express like where what I'm into at the moment. So it was an extension of that. You know, you describe your work uh, as fusion of European design traditions, Middle Eastern mm -hmm. arts, and the laid back luxury of Los Angeles living. How did you develop this unique style, which is quite rare? And what influences have shaped your design philosophy as a result? You know, I, I think that a lot of creative people are a reflection of their own experiences. And those three components that define my style are a reflection of who I am. I, as you know, um, of Persian descent. Um, my both my Persians were born. Both my parents were born in Iran, um, and, and so I've always had um, 
uh, a passion for understanding for where I come from. Um, even though my parents both left Iran when they were young, my mother was a baby and moved to Italy and her family lived in Milan since she was a baby. We've had a home there. And so the Italian component, the European component of my work, my palette, which is a very Italian palette, all comes from the time that I've spent in Italy. My grandfather lived there even after my mom moved to Los Angeles. So we would visit him for three months every summer. And not because I knew I wanted to go into design, but I feel that that time there like infused this creativity and that sensibility into me from as since I was a child. So I have a real appreciation for Italian vintage furniture of the 60s and 70s, which you can see that in my furniture collection. As I mentioned earlier, the color palette is very, in my opinion, Italian inspired. I love my spice colors, terracottas. And then I was born in Los Angeles. So indoor, outdoor living and this laid back luxury um, is just a part of who we are here. You know, not only for me personally, but for what most of my clients in LA and Montecito um, are looking for. They want, you know, a re sophisticated, relaxed elegance. And I feel like all of these parts of who I am have come together for me to be able to do that for my clients and for myself, ultimately. I think it really makes sense why you're in this field with what you shared with us, because the seeds were planted years ago as you journeyed from Italy and to what you did in Los Angeles and what was revealed to you it was just uh, hidden for a while, but then it was finally revealed that that's really part of your essence and it really makes sense. Yes. And I think most people who can like find some success in what they do, it's by being authentic to themselves. And this for me, I mean, obviously my clients have a big part in our creations because it has to also be reflective of them. But I think our clients are attracted to our design studio because it's authentic. It's not... Um, it's not something that we're trying to be, or it's not smoke and mirrors. You know, people who know you both personally and professionally know what a talented individual you are. And I wanted to ask you, as you think back on projects over the years, which one stands out as truly a memorable one for you? And why is that? So when I was at our uh, the hospitality firm that I referred to earlier on, um, they slowly started transitioning into residential. And while I was there, um, we had Luis Miguel, who is a, a very well-known Latin pop star from Spain, but he, he resides in Mexico, um, come to uh, our firm to design his house here in Beverly Hills. And I was a young 28 year old designer. And um, the, this was my first big project on my own for the firm. I had really clicked with him. And um, it, it was a project of a lifetime. And not only because of who he was and his vision, but really, 
collaborating with an artist. I think as an artist, we are creative, but when we can create with clients who are also creative, there's a lot of fulfillment in that. And so on the one hand, it was having, you know, to work for someone of that stature with that kind of scale um, as my own first project, which was like something I could only dream about. But on the other hand, you know, when we rolled up our sleeves and really thought about a house that would be reflective of Luis Miguel and collaborated together to to make such a thing, um, I, I it was super, super rewarding. And I was very proud of the outcome of that project. How exciting and how fortuitous to be able to jump into something like that at the beginning of your career. And to be able to perform like you did, I think that was an indication that you're doing exactly what you should be doing, especially with the result and the experience that you gained. I hope so. I mean, I think that when you start in a firm that teaches you about hotel design and you're able to organize in, you know, residential projects that way, it makes residential much easier. It's really just about the right connection with a client. And, you know, over the years, we've been lucky enough to make those connections and attract the right like-minded people. Um, And it's also a very much, you know, a, a personal connection you have with a client because you're designing the most intimate thing that they have, which is their home. So, you know, being able to connect also on a personal level is is so wonderful in making a project complete. Absolutely. And, and extremely important. Extremely mm-hmm. important. You know, many of your designs incorporate luxurious materials and intricate details. How, how would you bal- how would you say that you balance a luxury with functionality? and create spaces that are both beautiful and practical. So I think that goes back to, you know, what we were discussing earlier about the three different, you know, components of my design being European, you know, influences, Persian and laid back luxury of Los Angeles. And I think that is really um, what is the origin of the design. But I would also say that a big part of what I create in furniture and in interiors, it it has to look luxurious, but it also has to be functional. Mm. And so I'm always looking at things, not only in all of the details and the intricacy, but how does, what's the pitch of the chair? Is it going to be comfortable for a dinner party? Can you sit on this more than 30 minutes? So there's the functional part of creativity that really stems from the beginning of my career. Um, I think the other part of it is that, especially now, there is a understated luxury, meaning that like if you know something is special because you know, you don't need it to be monogrammed, you don't need it to necessarily shout out that it's luxurious it's luxurious like a pair of laura piana slippers for example there are many slippers out there but people love those because of the quality the cashmere effect that the the fact that the cashmere was milled in como and 
clients appreciate this idea of laid back luxury more and more. It's not just for the sake of showing and one upping your neighbor or the next one. It's really about like bringing the best life, the best lifestyle for each person, which is unique to them. You know, it's not me, um, you know, put, putting on them what I think luxury is. It's really us taking out within that client what is luxurious to them and having them live their best life. Which really speaks for itself. You know, when that happens, it has to be part of the essence of what is being done. It can never be imitated. You know, it's like the quality of, you know, elegance and grace. It can never be pretended or duplicated. It is what it is. It's part of one's essence. And and I think more and more... People of a, our our clients are understanding that. Like, if you look at the most recent um, season of Succession, I know a lot of people are talking about it. A lot of people in my world were also talking about the interiors that they chose to, you know, show. And if you look at it, they're super neutral. It's very understated. Designers know which piece is whose piece. Like it. If you know, you know, it's not about putting a bunch of monograms and putting a bunch of bells and whistles. Those interiors were super luxurious. And I think that clients more and more are understanding that it can be laid back. It can be understated and work perfectly for their own lifestyles. That's why it makes sense how your work has been featured in prestigious publications and has garnered attention from top industry professionals. There's, you know, that's very obvious. How do you stay innovative and push the boundaries of design while maintaining a sense of timelessness, which is so important and very unique, by the way? I think that I'm constantly remaining curious. I think the reason why I continue to add different arms to my practice, first being interior design, then furniture, textiles. And now we have a new MB shop underneath my studio, which is a lifestyle store, is because I'm always curious and wanting to push myself and my creativity to bring something new to myself and not only myself, but also my clients. Um, I, I don't want to ever remain stagnant. I never want to rehash what I've been doing, even though it might be easier. I, I want to bring the best of what I can for my clients and going to furniture fairs like Salone um, in Milan, which I just came back from, or um, Deco Off in Paris for textiles and constantly bringing something new to my palette and my workspace, I think allows me to push my creativity, but they still do seem to be timeless. I think it, I would hate for my clients to look at something we did three or four or five years ago and say, oh, it doesn't work anymore. It it does matter to me that of course we want to refurbish and of course we want to do new projects with happy clients, but we don't want clients to be changing our interiors because now that's out of date and mm-hmm. it doesn't work anymore. And so 
it's this very fine balance of being creative and finding new sources and and doing new things, but also understanding that we want things to last, um, especially in a world where um, sustainability is becoming more and more of a conversation that we're having with our clients. We we even the best of clients don't see the wastefulness of that. So it's just trying to find the balance. You know, and that's true quality. That's really true quality. That And that's quite evident in your work and the success of your track record because it's very innovative, but yet it trends with what's happening and what work has been done by you, which makes it timeless. And that's very evident in the work that you do. You know, you. Um, like life, the world of interior design is constantly evolving. And I wanted to ask you, are there any emerging trends or shifts in the industry that you find particularly exciting or inspiring? Well, I touched on it in, in your last question, which is sustainability. Um, just this last fall, I introduced uh, a collection of uh, cactus leather to our, our textile branch of what I do. And it's a mix of uh, cactus that is grown in Mexico that is pesticide free and organic, a mix, mixed with the waste of polyurethane from the food industry, the restaurant industry, recycled together to make a material that is sustainable compared to pure polyurethane or vinyl or or, I mean, uh, regular leather. And not only um, is it a sustainable approach, but it's also something that is very beautiful and has its own hand and feels very luxurious. Um, and I think what's really exciting for me is that being in the world that we are, I mean, fashion has kind of spearheaded sustainability and has been working with different types of products with shoes and bags and different things. And I think, you know, interiors, we're using a lot of fabrics and materials and what we do that we should also be looking and finding creative ways to uh, make our mark and contribute how we can. Very well said. You know, before I let you go, um, I wanted you to share with the audience and listeners as an, as an accomplished designer, what advice do you have for aspiring interior designers who are looking to truly make their mark in the industry like you have? I would say, you know, in today's world of social media and smoke and mirrors and Pinterest, that a lot of younger people can go to design school and think they have the right connections and they have the right style and they're ready to start on their own and start their first project. And I cannot stress enough how important it is to work for someone because unlike becoming a doctor or a dentist, so much of what we do in the functional, in the getting from A to B is learned through work experience. And why don't we like learn from people who actually know what they're doing so that you don't make the mistakes on your own dime? You know, I was beyond being exposed to all these wonderful designers in my first uh, job with Wilson and Associates. 
I also learned so many things that if I didn't work for someone who had true experience, I would just have to learn on my own and make errors on my own. So why not really treat it like an apprentice type uh, business career, which it is. And there's always time to do your own thing, but to really learn from people who do this, who you respect, I think is something that is so valuable. I will also say that because we have access to Pinterest and Instagram and publications that a lot of designers feel like, oh, I can do that. I can copy that. I can do it for less. I can. But honestly, if it's a long-term decision to be in this world, in this fabulous world, you need to be you. There are already people doing those styles. So why not really figure out what is authentic to you instead of copying other people that you might, you might admire? Of course, we are influenced by the people we respect. I am totally on a daily basis. But at the end of the day, I hope that I'm creating something that reflects who I am today. You know, that's truly great advice, you know, to for people to really be who they are and be true to themselves. And it will be evident in the work that they do, just like it has been for you. And, and I truly can understand why, as others do, why you're so successful. And uh, may you continue your success in this great field of work that you love and how you affect so much change for others. How can our listeners follow you? What's the best way for them to follow you? So we have um, our Instagram handle is just my name, Natasha Baradarin. And I have a website, which is Natasha Baradarin that shows our whole world, uh, interiors, product, everything you'd ever want to know about us. So that's probably the best way. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for being our guest today in our show. It was truly a pleasure to have you. Thank you. And uh, the best of luck in all of your endeavors. I appreciate it. Thank you for your time. We hope you enjoyed Human's conversation today, and we invite you to share this episode with someone who might enjoy it as well. Take a screenshot on your phone, text it to them, and tell them to check out businessofluxurypodcast.com. Also, we encourage you to rate and review the show on your favorite podcast platform. Thank you for listening to The Business of Luxury.